Okay, uh, we've looked at some of the stronger, some of the strongest uh, forms of scientific evidence. Uh, evidence that's derived from descriptive methods, correlational methods, and experimental methods. When those are done correctly, uh, they can give us strong scientific evidence. Um, that would be very useful in um, uh, scientific debate and argument, and very useful in allowing for progress in science. I want to tell you about another form of evidence that's not very useful. Um, there's a form of evidence uh, that scientists refer to as anecdotal evidence. And uh, I don't think your textbook even really talks about anecdotal evidence. And that's probably because it's not scientific evidence, and it's not something we would rely on. But the truth of the matter is that a lot of times people are fooled by anecdotal evidence, and a lot of times people will throw anecdotal evidence at you to try to persuade you of things, or to even try to argue a point. Now, if you're engaged in scientific debate or scientific argument about th something, um, <clears throat> you know, if, uh, uh, if somebody brings up anecdotal evidence, scientists are just going to say, that's anecdotal evidence, it doesn't even apply, um, and they don't have to necessarily go through every reason why it doesn't apply. In a lot of ways, that's a lot like hearsay evidence in a court of law. Um, if we say that, you know, if I'm, <laughs> if I'm uh, um, accused of committing some crime and um, my, uh, somebody heard somebody say that he, they thought he did it or something like that, I don't know, and somebody brings that up in court, you know, my lawyer is going to say, Your Honor, that's hearsay uh, and it's inadmissible and it's going to be sustained, right? There, that objection is going to be sustained. I'm sure you've all seen courtroom uh, uh, movies and TV shows, right? Anyway, um, uh, hearsay evidence is inadmissible in a court of law. And that's been decided by the court system because hearsay evidence is unreliable. You know, we don't necessarily know whether it's true or, you know, anything like that. Somebody said, somebody said something. Yeah. Well, in a lot of ways, anecdotal evidence is like that. Anecdotal evidence is not admissible in scientific debate. However, anecdotal evidence can be tricky. Well, let me tell you what anecdotal evidence is. Anecdotal evidence, an anecdote is a story, um, generally a story about a person's own individual experience. So if I tell you that um, I knew a guy who um, was overweight and he lost a bunch of weight on a uh, keto diet, that's a bit of anecdotal evidence, right? I'm telling you a story from my own experience. Now, that may or may not be true. Um, uh, there's a lot of reasons, you know, to doubt that. But people will use that kind of information a lot of times to try to convince you of things. If you are thinking of trying to lose weight on a keto diet, and I say, oh yeah, well I knew this guy that it worked for him, I'm giving you anecdotal evidence. If you're a scientist, if you're a critical thinker, if you're logical, you're going to say, eh, that's anecdotal evidence, it doesn't tell me anything at all. See, there are lots of problems with anecdotal evidence. Um, <clears throat> the... Um, the uh, the first and most obvious one is that it could be not even true, right? It could be, uh, maybe I remembered it wrong, um, or maybe I'm lying to you. Uh, you know, it's unreliable for that. Uh, <clears throat> there are memory biases that can play into it. Uh, you know, I may have known six different people who tried keto, 
some of it just couldn't, some of them couldn't stand it, uh, or maybe they gained weight or whatever. I don't, I'm just making this up. Um, but, um, and so they didn't last very long with it, but I remember this one guy sticks out in my mind because he did lose weight. Well, so my memory then is selective, right? There's a bias there in remembering some information more easily than others. Eh, it's a problem with anecdotal evidence. But even if anecdotal evidence is gold standard, rock solid true, like <laughs> it's grandma evidence. <laughs> I call it that because your grandma wouldn't lie to you, right? Um, so it's absolutely true. Uh, your grandma told you that she knew somebody who uh, lost weight on keto and they really did. At best, even if that's a true story, like a grandma story, what that amounts to is a single case study. And if you remember, a single case study is really not very useful in generalizing to other people. It doesn't really tell you if that's going to work for you. It doesn't even tell you if it was, you know, the keto that made the person lose weight. Yes, this person really did use keto. Yes, they weigh less than they used to. This is rock-solid grandma evidence, but that doesn't mean that necessarily that it was the keto that caused it. You know, there's so many problems with that, um, that, um, that it's not even um, useful evidence at all. The tricky part, though, is that anecdotal evidence fools people a lot. So much so that they will intentionally use anecdotal evidence a lot in advertising and persuasive kinds of things because people are fooled by it. People are much more likely to make decisions, even important decisions, based upon stories of things that are vivid and they can picture in their mind. We'll talk about some of this later on in uh, a chapter on social psychology. And so anecdotal evidence plays right into that. If I, um, you know, if I'm trying to sell you a, um, um, I don't know, a piece of exercise equipment, and I show you on a commercial, you know, very fit and healthy people using this piece of exercise equipment, um, <clears throat> you know, then that's essentially anecdotal evidence. It doesn't tell you that that that, that made them the way they are or it's going to work for you. But it's easy for people to imagine themselves in that position. It's easy to um, have that stick out in your mind. And so it's been said that anecdotal evidence is seductive um, in a creepy and evil sort of way and that um, it can fool people uh, even though it's often very poor evidence. So I've, you know, I've even seen, you know, in some commercials and stuff where they deliberately do this, they, like they're trying to sell you diet pills or something like that. And they'll, you know, have some charts off in the background. And these are the charts that show about our scientific studies. But let's put all that aside. And let's, let me show you Mary. Mary lost 16 pounds on our pills. Well, they've essentially uh, uh, pushed away anything that could have been like scientific evidence in favor of giving you a worse form of evidence, of anecdotal evidence, because they know you're more likely to be fooled by it, right? So um, people will try to use anecdotal evidence all the time. The way to recognize it is that it's often going to be a person's um, own experience or something they heard or something that happened to them. You know, people will tell you now, uh, I don't know, um, you're having trouble sleeping? Oh, well, I, um, I use melatonin and it worked for me. Um, that's anecdotal evidence. There are scientific studies that may give you different results, that may give you different conclusions, and that evidence is much more strong. But that's harder to go look for, it's harder to understand, so people often rely on poor evidence, anecdotal evidence. Now, the thing about anecdotal evidence is that no one, I can almost guarantee, no one is ever going to come up to you and say, hey, 
I got some great anecdotal evidence to try to convince you of this thing. <laughs> right? They're not going to say that. It's up to you to identify that evidence as anecdotal, like a scientist would, and say, eh, that's anecdotal evidence. So that, uh, you know, when you're, I don't know, you're talking to your roommate, and you say, well, you know, uh, my social life at college isn't what I thought it was going to be. It's not as good. I expected to have more friends and girlfriends or whatever and all this sort of stuff. And, and your, your roommate says, what well, you know what you ought to do is get a tattoo. Because <laughs> when I got my t- tattoo, my social life took off. I soon had a girlfriend and a bunch of friends and all that sort of stuff. <laughs> what you would do in that situation as a scientist... As a critical thinker, as a logical thinker, you would say, anecdotal evidence, and disregard that advice completely. All right, so my point is that it's up to you to identify that evidence as anecdotal. And again, if if you're uh, in scientific debate, that's pretty much all you got to say. You don't have to explain to them why anecdotal evidence is bad. Um, uh, But, you know, now you know. So be on the lookout for anecdotal evidence.